So we're back here together and we're able to uh, worship together. We're able to kind of separate from the distractions of life. And sometimes we, we go to work and we have our, our, our frustrations or challenges there. We go home and we have responsibilities that we have to take up, up there. And sometimes during the week we can get a little shifted. But here when we come into worship, we can kind of refocus and we can center on, on God and where we want to where we want to be next week <laughs> so we're not continually it's it's always a you know when people get away from their faith it's it's slow shifts you know so we got to come back together build each other up and get redirected back in the direction that we want to be going um last week we talked about how important it is to choose good friends and that you can't do better than to find your closest friends inside the family of god we also mentioned that we all have gifts that God has given to the church body um, and that we need to help keep, we need to use them to help keep all the members of the body healthy and strong and fruitful. Um, the key verses that we're going to look at today, um, the first one is going to be Luke 12, verse 35 through 37. It says, Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you'll be ready to open the door and let him in in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. Um, the second verse that we're going to be looking at is Romans 12, 6 through 8. It says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If your gift is to give generously, um, if your gift is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your direction. We just ask that you would um, help our minds to be open to receiving, that, um, that you would take whatever I prepared and that you would make it yours and that uh, that would be by your power that we're encouraged and strengthened today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So to set the stage for the passage in Luke, if we can uh, bring that one back up and just kind of leave it there. Um, we are a couple of months out from the crucifixion, and there is an increased opposition to Jesus. Um, Jesus had recently rebuked the Pharisees and the teachers, and they decided to become more deliberate in their attempts to catch him saying something um, and use it against him. So Jesus is teaching again. Um, some of the, as he's giving this teaching, some of it is directly to the disciples, some of it is to the crowd, but the whole crowd is there to hear it, and it is quite a crowd. There's thousands of people. It says that they're trampling on top of each other as they're preparing to hear Jesus speak. Um, Jesus, uh, see here. Uh, in, in the crowd, there were those who were there were the disciples who were committed to him. Then there's just kind of fans and gawkers. People who are just interested in what's going on. And then there's those who are opposing him. Um, Jesus begins his sermon about uh, the yeast of the Pharisees and how we're not supposed to be uh, hypocrites pretending some, that we're something we're not. Then he proceeds to encourage them 
to fear God and not men. And uh, that if we are not ashamed of him and we profess his name before others, he'll profess our names before the angels of God. Romans 1.16 says it this way. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Next, Jesus talks about not focusing on the treasures of earth or worrying even about our daily needs, but instead being rich towards God. Um, verse 12, uh, 15, Luke 12, 15. Uh, I've got a lot of verses today. I'm going to do a lot of reading. Um, he said, then he said, Beware, guard yourself against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Isn't that, I mean, uh, when you look around or when you stop to kind of contemplate, what, what, is, what are most people running after? They're you know, trying to get a, a nicer home, a nicer car. They're trying to build up assets for, even if it's for retirement. And, and not everything that, that, not all of those things are bad. And maybe none of them are bad. But what is your heart? Is that, is that your priority? Is that what you're chasing after above everything else? The main thing is to be rich towards God. Um, Jesus assures us that we do not have to fear or worry because we have value to God. Um, he will provide for us. He uses the, the birds of the air twice to make this. And it sounds, uh, it, it seems kind of funny to be compared to birds as if that, you know, on the first hand it thinks bringing birds into it makes it seem like we're not very valuable because I don't really think of birds as being that valuable. But that's kind of the point is that Jesus is, is looking at birds and saying, we all know birds aren't that valuable and I care for them. I know, I know them. I'm, I'm, I take care of them. And you know you're way more valuable than that. You are, you know, so to God, we are extremely valuable. He, he has no reason as, as God of the universe to, to be so kind, to be, to, you know, somebody so elevated, you know, to care about the lowest of the sparrow. And we're above that. We're, we're way above that. And so we have value to God. Um, and then we come up to the key text for today. Um, so we're going to look at Luke um, 12.35. says, Be dressed for service. Keep your lamps burning as though you are waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you'll be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. I don't know what you guys are like uh, when you're waiting for a guest to arrive at your house, um, especially, especially if it's somebody who's maybe... Um, a friend that has never been to your home or somebody that you know keeps a really neat house. I'm a very busy waiter. Uh, my wife is, is aware of this. I, I'm constantly moving around, checking things out as I'm waiting for them to, to arrive, um, taking the pillows and straightening them, uh, seeing if there's a crooked picture on the wall, making sure that everything that needs to be set out is set out. And, um, and so I'm, I'm eagerly awaiting them to arrive and I want to make sure that everything is just right. Um, I'm looking. I'm looking for miscellaneous stuff that we don't really have a home for. That we're just, you know, tuck into a drawer somewhere where they can't see. I think you've you've all been there. <laughs> um, of course, uh, sometimes they're late. You know, not everybody arrives on time. Um, and I have to admit that even I have my limits. Sometimes uh, I can't. I just can't keep the kids from. You know moving the pillows again or bringing out toys and when the snacks are all sitting out on the countertop 
Like at a certain point, they've been calling your name long enough that you're willing to give up the arrangement to maybe have one or two or 13. Um, well, this is kind of where the, the servants find themselves during this parable. Okay, so, but this is, this is way more intense. This isn't just a, a, a friend. This is the master, okay? And he has certain expectations. And based on those expectations, there are certain rewards, actually amazing rewards, and there's very serious consequences. Um, in this parable, the master of the house has gone to a wedding feast. And in the first century, uh, a wedding feast could last for days. And he didn't have a cell phone to call back and say, hey, I'm on my way. Um, he, uh, they didn't have any GPS tracking on his vehicle to, to kind of you know, tag him and find out when he's going to be back. Uh, the servants were left to care for the master's estate without any idea of when he was going to return. But regardless of when, the expectation was that they would be ready and waiting. The first part of verse 35 says uh, to be dressed for service. If you look in the New King, in the New King James Version, it actually says um, to let your waist be girded. Now, girding is not something that we use very often, that word. We don't use that phrase very much. But back in those days when people wore long flowing robes, um, there was something that they used quite a bit. To gird was basically to take all that material and use a belt to kind of hold it up, hold everything loose in place, and so that you were more free to move. Um, it was, it was to a, a state of being ready for, for action or activity. The, the, the person who was girded was ready to run, to fight, and to work. It is like the modern phrase, it's time to roll up our sleeves. This picture that Jesus is painting is that we need to be prepared to be active. So as we read on, we need to look at the, the task of, of waiting, um, the task of being dressed and keeping our lamps burning, not as a passive thing, but as an active thing. So the question then is, what are we to be doing? What are we to be doing as we're waiting actively? The servants undoubtedly had certain tasks that they were responsible for, and maybe some of them shared tasks as they did them, but they were all made stewards of something according to their abilities. I'm sure the ones that were best at cooking were probably taking care of the meals, um, the things that required brute strength, probably the men were doing some of those things. Um, what are the abilities that God has given us, and what are the tasks that are associated with them? Um, after our uh, Sunday school lesson last week that we had, uh, I couldn't help but being drawn back to the gifts that were listed in Romans. And so we're going to go back to Romans 12, and we're going to look at some of those gifts to, and just go a little bit deeper in what they are to help us identify what gifts we might have. Uh, it says again in, in Romans uh, 12.6, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And let's just leave it on the screen, but the last one is kindness. If you have the gift uh, for kindness, uh, do it gladly. Um, we'll just kind of leave that up because we're going to be kind of walking through some of these. Um, 
Let's take a, we're going to take a closer look at the first one here, which is prophecy. So I think sometimes we hear about the gift of prophecy and we can get a little intimidated or a little bit nervous about what that is. But simply put, prophecy is to speak forth a message of God. So this is a message from God for somebody. Um, God is, imp- is imp- if this is God impressing upon the person prophesying a word that is not their own. The person prophesying may not know why you need to hear it or what your circumstance is that that it's going to relate to. Um, And it could be something as simple as just a couple words. It could be that God's laying on your heart a a verse that you just feel like you're supposed to share with somebody. It could be that that God has put a a picture, a vision in your your head, and you're just like, you're supposed to tell somebody about this picture. it doesn't have to be a, a big, you know, stand in front of people and thus saith the Lord, you know. You can just go to a person and you could just have a word for them. And that's God using prophecy in your life to help somebody else. And regardless of what form or function or, or form or, or, or what it looks like, whether it's a, a vision or a, a Bible verse or just a couple words, um, the purpose of it. Uh, is listed in 1 Corinthians 4.13. It says that it's one of three things. It says that the one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. So that's when you, when you feel that prompting, God is wanting to use you to do one of these things in somebody, somebody's life. Somebody needs to hear that word. So if you sense that, don't resist. Go and share it. Um, if you've ever sensed God wants to tell somebody something through you and it seems just kind of random, God may be asking you to prophesy. In fact, there are probably many of you here who have prophesied to people and did not realize that that's what they were doing. So um, it doesn't have to be a, a super scary, kind of intimidating sort of thing. Uh, the next gift uh, that we're going to look at is the gift of serving. It says, if, you, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. Um, service is to identify undone tasks in God's work, however menial, and use available resources to get the job done. Um, are you somebody who feels energized when you have the opportunity to serve someone else? If so, you might have the gift of service. Um, we're all called to serve one another, so none of us are off the hook. We're all supposed to help. Um, But uh, the gift, who the person who has a gift of service, um, they're they're good at it. They uh, they can come along somebody alongside somebody that is trying to accomplish another task, and they can just fill whatever role is pointed they're pointed at without feeling like they have to um, take over it or, or, or shift it to their vision. They can come alongside somebody else's vision and just help complete it. And it is so helpful when, that, when somebody can do that. And um, I've been the recipient of that in the past, and, and it is so good to have a good somebody who has a heart to serve. Um, if you are a teacher... Teach well, and that gift is to be a teacher. Um, a teacher is someone who has who loves to study the Bible in depth, um, loves to understand and validate truths, to give guidance through instruction, um, and to take those personally learned truths and share them with others. Um, do any of you like to dissect 
the Bible, to think of creative ways to help other people grasp a concept or to retain something that it teaches. This does not always have to be in front of a group like I'm doing. Or it doesn't have to be on a, even on Wednesday night in front of a large group. Um, it could even be one-on-one mentoring of somebody, just meeting with, a, with somebody doing a, a Bible study together. It could be um, just participating uh, in a Bible study and sharing the insights that God has given you. Um, there's a lot of different ways to, sh- to use the gift of teaching. Um, I don't know if you've considered recently how you might use that in this in this house, but it is important uh, for us to have those teachers, those ones that can really grasp those insights, that can share those, those nuggets that we might not find on our own. Um, we need you in this house. If your gift is encouraging, encourage. Um, encouraging is to come alongside someone with words of reassurance, comfort, consolation, or counsel to help them be all that God wants them to be. Uh, I think we all recognize these people. Um, they're like they're ones we love to be around. There's ones that, that we generally, I think, even when we walk into a room and they look over at us, you know, they kind of they have that that look that they're happy to see you, and and that in, they just have an encouraging spirit about them. Um, I don't know if they always recognize themselves, um, but they're the ones whose natural reaction when somebody has the football thrown right to them. You say, oh, that was so close, you almost got it, or you'll get it next time, instead of, dude, that was right to you. (laughs) (laughs) Encouragers are essential in helping others um, carry on, even when they've made a mistake. Sometimes we can drop the ball and we can feel like we just want to quit. Encouragers are the ones that help us keep going. They keep you from giving up or burning out. If you know this, if you know this about you, that you are an encourager, we need you to be here doing what you do. Uh, sounds weird to say just doing what you do, but that's what the Bible says. It says, encouragers be encouraging. So just do it. Um, if, it, it is, uh, if your gift is giving, give generously. Giving, uh, giving is to share what material resources you have with liberality and cheerfulness without a thought of return. Um, I just want to interject a little something here. Uh, as someone who's going to become very involved in the finances of the church, I just want to say that I believe all of you have the gift of giving and that you need to prioritize that above all other gifts. No. <laughs> no. Uh, obviously, I'm just kidding. Uh, the, uh, the gift here, um, though these gifts are, are to help build up the body, this is not specifically talking about tithes and offerings. Um, the one with the gift of giving loves to care for other people. And they love to see a person's heart lifted when they receive a needed provision, or even when they give somebody something that's unexpected, that's maybe not needed. Um, there's, there's just times when I, there's some people who have, I know that people have different love languages. Some people really respond well to receiving something. A gift means a lot. It shows them that they're valued because you cared enough to give them something. Um, there's a, a woman in my life uh, that, that, to me, amplifies gift giving the most. Her name is uh, Mary, and she's a friend of my mom's. Um, and she's, we've, we've kind of nicknamed her Aunt Mary over the years. She's been a friend of my mom since she was in high school. And so every year, she would come to our Christmas gatherings and bring gifts for, for me and my sisters. And she actually did this for some other families too, didn't she? Yeah. And so um, 
but uh, but now she even comes and she brings gift to my to to my nieces and nephews and my children and uh she she loves it so much she she'll go out right after christmas and she'll start shopping and she'll shop all year long trying to find just the right things and i don't know how she does it she she's able even though she's she lives on the other side of the state she she sees us maybe a couple times a year but somehow she finds the best gifts she she's able to match up what what the person wants uh with you know with a, with a gift without even really being around her i don't i don't know how she does it but she has she has a gift and so, and she gives gifts. Um, so if you have that gift, um, you know, give generously. Look for people that might, um, might be lifted up from receiving from that gift. Um, the next gift, if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. Um, a leader desires to lead people through organization it may be someone who presides over a various church function, or it could be someone who just leads uh, by setting a good example or in service. Um, you've noticed, if you've noticed uh, that at work, there's people that tend to come to you and ask you what you think about something or wonder if you like their plan or their idea, they might see you as a leader. Um, do you tend to be someone when nobody else wants to make a decision, you're able to make the call? Um, you might be a leader. You, that might be a gift that you have. Um, if you believe that you are gifted in leadership, it seems to me that, that oftentimes the best way to find your place of leadership is to find whatever it is that you're passionate about and just put yourself into it wholeheartedly and see if that doesn't just develop naturally, that people will see you as a leader and you'll, you'll get elevated into that position. Um, but a note of caution for those that feel like they're leaders, this is the one that, the only one that, that kind of has a little bit of, you know, it's not just do it. It says take it seriously. Um, those who lead, those who lead others are held more accountable than those that are just following. So um, make sure that you take that seriously and make sure that uh, you lead in a godly way. Um, lastly, uh, for the gifts in Romans, it says, and if you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Um, kindness is to be sensitive towards those who are suffering, whether physically, mentally, or emotionally, speaking words of compassion, um, but more so caring for them with deeds of love to help alleviate their distress. The, there's alternate definitions uh, or translations of the word um, kindness. Uh, sometimes it's translated as mercy or it's translated as being a sympathizer. So when you see someone who's hurting, or maybe they just seem like they're alone on the edge of a room, or maybe they just seem tired or depressed, are you one who is drawn to them, where you kind of want to go and, and make sure they're okay and you want to care for them, uh, you want to uplift them? And you probably have the gift of kindness. Not all of us feel that way. Not all of us feel comfortable doing that. We may notice, we may feel like something should be done, but we not, may not feel like we have the words to say. And sometimes when we're in that situation with that person, we might just seem frozen and we're waiting for somebody like you to come and help us out because you have that gift of kindness. You know how to say those, uh, those right words or, or to um, sympathize with that person in a way that, that not everybody can. And so we need you. Um, there's, there's not a one of us in this body that has not at some time 
needed somebody to come alongside them and show them kindness, to show them mercy. Um, and so stay connected to the body. Stay here, because you never know when, when one of us here is going to need you. Um, after being dressed or girded, so after, after looking at um, being ready for action, um, the next thing that, that Jesus mentions is that we keep our lamps burning. Uh, this is a state of expectedness. If you, if you don't think anybody's coming to your house, you turn the outside lights off, right? If you think somebody's coming, you turn on the lights, right? You're, you're expecting that. Um, keep your lamps burning. If you imagine, especially in those days when uh, travel was rather dangerous, and it seems to be getting really late, it's, it's 12 o'clock at night, and you start to think, well, I guess they're not going to come tonight. So we're going back, the master is, is coming. We don't know when, but we're figuring, he's probably not going to travel in the middle of the night. You know, let's just, let's just go to sleep. Let's turn the lights out and go to bed. But Jesus says, don't stop expecting me. Don't stop anticipating my coming. Let me find you eager to greet me right when I knock, right when I come. Um, I want to find you anticipating my coming. Um, he wants to find us actively caring for the things that he's put us in charge of, that he's um, entrusted us with when he comes back. I find it uh, interesting that the reasons that a person would gird themselves are also describe the the way that we um, the way that we approach our Christian faith, and we talked about you know fight, work, and run. There's phrases that we see in the Bible. Fight the good fight of faith. Um, faith without works is dead. And do you realize that everyone who runs in a race runs to get... Uh, do you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. So these are all examples that, that they use for how we're to live our, our, our faith walk. And these are all things that being girded prepares somebody to do. Um, I don't know if any of you uh, remember running the mile in high school. Does anybody, anybody love running the mile in high school? No? I actually, I actually kind of enjoyed it. <laughs> um, but, uh, but there were definitely people who did not enjoy it. There's some who, who uh, I think, enjoyed the competition of it, but, you know, nobody really looked, they didn't really look forward to it. Um, there were others who, they didn't want to do it at all, and they basically just walked with their friends the entire mile, and, um, and there, was, there was no pressing on there. But there, were, there are some that in the very beginning think they have maybe high hopes, they, they're, that maybe they are excited about it, or they think they want to compete, and they, and they either take off too fast, or maybe they're not in as good a shape as they thought they were. And, and somewhere in the middle, they're like, you know what, I'm not going to finish in the top anyways, or I just don't really think it's that important anymore. And somewhere in the middle, they just kind of slow down and it just, and maybe even come to a stop. Um, when we look at uh, verse 38, uh, Luke 12:38, in one translation, it says, uh, where it says, one translation, I think it's in, in uh, the New King James Version. It says, And if he should come in the second watch or the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. Okay, so um, when you think of your life kind of maybe divided up into these three watches, uh, it, it becomes kind of uh, interesting because we, we may think, you know, 
we don't know when Jesus is coming back. So our watch period for many of us and, and, and for all of those who've gone before us uh, is going to be when we pass away. And that's when we're going to meet with him. And so we're, try, we're trying to stay ready, stay on watch, to eagerly be waiting and expecting um, his return for our entire life. And so that can seem like kind of a long time. Um, some of us may start to feel like uh, we're getting tired or be tempted to relax our pace as we go on. Um, I'm 40 now, so I'm not in the first watch of the night either. And so I'm 43, actually. Just to make sure nobody's... I was just... I was rounding, okay? <laughs> That's, is that okay? Can you round on that? Thank you. <laughs> um, so I remember it as a, as a youth... Um, how fired up we'd get about God. I, uh, I, as I wrote this, I thought, fired up, you know, keep your lamp burning. You know, I don't think we use the word fired up quite as much as we used to, but it's, I don't know, it's a good, good description. But um, we would just be so motivated in, in how God might want to use us. Um, you look at a lot of church mission trips, and you look at like YWAM, and you look at like there's large groups of young people that feel very motivated and excited to go and do something for God. And, um, and it seems to be something where a lot of that, um, that passion or that energy is spent in, in the youth. Now, granted, uh, they have a lot more opportunity to do that. They have a lot more time and a lot less responsibility. So, so there is that. Um, but there's, there's just a fire that, that's in, in youth when you're, you know, where you've, you've, you're just that expectation of God doing something in your life or doing something in the world seems to be at this higher level. And as we go through the watches of the night, it's not hard for that to kind of work its way down. And so um, we need to, to keep our lamps burning, keep fired up. Um, when I was a kid, uh, I, always, I thought it was a big deal um, to wear like a shirt that, that said, you know, Jesus on it or had some sort of statement of faith on it. Um, or I'd, I'd bring my boombox out on the playground and I'd play some, uh, you know, Christian 80s rock. <laughs> and so, but to me, like it was, there was, there was a little bit of like, um, like I had to force myself to do it because uh, in school, you know, kids, your relationship with kids when you're in school is, is a lot different than your relationship with other adults as a grown-up. Um, once you're an adult, uh, what other people think of you doesn't really affect your view of yourself or your identity as much as it does when you're a kid. That's why you see in schools, kids are being bullied, really. I mean, it can, it can destroy them on the inside where um, if they could just get past that stage and realize that their identity doesn't come from that. You know, that's not who they are. Um, but anyways, I would go to school and I would bring, you know, I would wear this shirt. And it was, um, it was a way for me to, to proclaim who I who I was in Christ and that I wasn't ashamed. I was excited to see, um, to shine a light and to see if it might change something in the world around me. Um, but uh, that, that was during the first watch of night. And that is when you are still eagerly expecting something to happen soon. Somewhere along the lines, um, we can get tired or distracted and we can start to forget um, that the master's coming back soon and that he expects to find us eagerly awaiting um, and you see, this is not just a normal master. This isn't just, uh, you know, just somebody who has the ability. You see, in those times, and we're going to get into this a little bit, but the master had a lot of 
a lot of uh, authority over the servants. But this is Jesus. He has final authority. <laughs> you know, he's, he's the one who determines, um, you know, like I said earlier in, in Jesus' sermon here, he talks about how, um, he talks about how we need to not fear men, but fear the one, don't fear men who can kill the body, but fear the one who after the body is, is killed can sentence the soul to hell, you know, who can kill the soul. Your, your eternity is in his hands. Um, so this is Jesus who's coming back. And it says here in verse 37, it says, The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them, put, an apron, put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. The story continues. And what, so, so as the story continues here, it's shocking to the disciples, right? Because their experience with masters and servants is not that, you know, that a, that a master would come and serve. Uh, under Roman law, a servant could be put to death at the master's command. He had control over their lives and they were to serve him, and he was to be served. That was, that was it. Jesus says, the master will gird himself up. In this parable, the master will gird himself up, and the servants will sit at the table, and he will serve them. That the master is more excited about being reunited with the servants than the servants are with being reunited with the master. The master loves us. Um, I can imagine that this parable, like I said, this is just a couple months before the crucifixion. And, um, and so just before the crucifixion, they have the Last Supper. And you can just imagine that this parable is stirring in the minds of the disciples as they're sitting at the, at the table and Jesus, or as they are, they're entering the room actually, and Jesus uh, takes off his robe, puts on a towel, and starts washing their feet. He starts serving them. And then they go to the table and they sit and recline at the table. And he starts taking the food and breaking the bread and starts serving them the food. Um, there's something just incredible, just kind of, it's shocking that a master, that the king would serve us. Um, as we read about the rewards of the faithful, there are two verses that, that come to my mind. One of them has to do with the marriage supper of the Lamb, and that's in Revelations 19, 6 through 9. That verse says, And then I heard again what sounded like the sh shout of a vast crowd, or the roar of a mighty ocean, of mighty ocean waves, or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to him, for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lord, and the bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear, for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. So you see here that he's clothing just like uh, he's clothing, he's providing for, and, and it's because of the good deeds. This is, it represents the good deeds, the, the fact that we took the gifts that were given to us and we figured out what is it that God has put us as steward of? What is it that he wants us to use these gifts for? 
Um, the second verse I was reminded of, of was John 14, 2 through 3. It says, There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. It is an incredible thought to imagine that there's a day that we're going to be gathered together with all of the believers from all time and that the all-sufficient Savior is going to clothe us, he's going to feed us, and he's going to prepare a home he has prepared. We'll have a home waiting for us there. Um, there's a reward an amazing reward for those he finds faithful when he comes home. And as much as I hate moving away from this happy thought, there's more uh, to this parable. So it's kind of a big chunk that we're going to read here and then um, I'll discuss a little bit about it. But uh, we're going to Luke 12, uh, verse 39. It says, understand this. If the homeowner knew exactly when the burglar was coming, burglar, I said that wrong. Anyways, when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready at all times, um, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Peter asked, Lord, is that illustration just for us or for anyone? And the Lord replied, a faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant thinks, my master won't be back for a while, and he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk? The master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant in pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. And a servant who knows what the master wants but isn't prepared to do, isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions will be severely punished. And then there's another section that says that those who don't do what the master wants um, but didn't know, they will be um, less severely punished. In, in the King James, New King James Version, it says, beaten with many blows for the one group and beaten with few blows for the other group. Um, today, uh, I'm not going to go into exactly uh, who fits into what category or what those punishments mean to, to uh, not to us, but <laughs> to those who are unfaithful. I guess my point is here is that, that I, I think you would all agree with me that all of us just want to be in the reward group, right? <laughs> uh, regardless of, of what it means to be cut into pieces or beaten with many blows or few blows, um, I don't want that. I, I don't think you do. I don't think anybody is, is, is thinking that's where they want to be. Um, but this section paints a very clear picture of how serious it is uh, to follow the master's instructions, that, that we are ready and waiting, um, that we are not living a life as a hypocrite, that we are unashamed of Jesus and the message of the cross. It makes it very clear that serving the master is the top priority above acquiring possessions or even worrying about our needs. Jesus left us a place, um, left to prepare a place for us. He left us to be his hands and feet on earth. He's gifted us to prophesy when led, to serve when the need arises, to teach 
what you have learned, to encourage those who are discouraged, to give to those who are in need, to lead carefully, and to show kindness, mercy, and sympathy in times of tragedy and distress. God has laid out for us uh, kind of a plan. It's kind of a, a list of, of, of what he's gifted us for, and those gifts tend to lead us to where we can be used. Um, if you don't have that gift of kindness um, where you can show sympathy, um, you might not be the best person to work in grief counseling. Like that's not, that's not your home. That's not. I mean, you can you can offer it. We all have the ability to 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 show some sympathy, but some are just good. They can they can come around. They can lift up and they can give comfort that a person needs when they they didn't think that there was any way to feel comforted or joy in that moment. Um, if you don't have the ability to organize anything, you might not want to step into a leadership role. That might not be the place for you. Um, so use the gifts that God gave you to kind of help direct you. Uh, I neglected to find a spot to have Karen come up and play. So uh, imagine music in your mind. <laughs> no, I'm just going gonna, gonna to close in prayer, and I have, I have just one closing thought. Um, but uh, I just pray that this was uh, encouraging to you as, a, as much as it was to me in studying it. Uh, Lord, I just thank you that uh, that you are a good master, <laughs> the, that you are a, a master unlike any other. That uh, you you're not um, you're not overbearing. You're not you don't you don't uh, look at us as just tools to be used, but you chose to call us your children. Um, you love us. You desire to be near us. You want to have relationship with us. Um, and that you have not only um, given us the, the, these gifts and wanting us to be stewards, but that we're actually allowed to be stewards of things that have eternal value, that you're, we can be part of what you are doing in the world, um, that we can be part of the kingdom work. Um, you didn't just ask us to stand by and just see what you did. You, you want to partner with us. You want us to be used as your hands and feet in the world to do uh, the things that you desire to have accomplished, um, to build up your church, to help perfect it, to be a pure and spotless bride. Um, we all have a part to play as we uh, encourage each other. And we just um, ask you to help us to recognize the gifts that you've given us and to use them uh, in the way that you desire us to use them. Amen. All right, so the question is what now, right? Um, how do we find our place to implement these gifts? And I, and I kind of touched on this, um, but there's different ways you can use them, whether it's in this house or whether it's in the world. Uh, I can't answer this for you in this moment other than to say that that's the right question to be asking. When I'm waiting for a special guest to arrive at my house, I'm looking around, I'm watching the clock, trying to see, you know, when are they going to be here? Um, what else is there that I can do? Um, what is it? that God wants for me to do? That is the right question to be asking. So um, let's live a life where we are ready and waiting, actively waiting for Jesus' return.